The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Have you found your deepest ancient roots? No, I'm not talking about your genealogy, though that can certainly be a part of it. We're talking about the deepest collective archetypal regions found in the corpuscles of your blood and the marrow of your bones. This primal essence of me-ness of you is an aspect of the authentic self. It speaks to us in our dreams, in the symbols with which we resonate, and in the seemingly magical synchronistic events of our lives, and more. Making contact with these symbols facilitates our awakening to who we are. Let's talk about that together today. You don't want to be here for the whole show. So here's the thing. We don't generally go looking for our deepest roots, right? We generally go looking for the look in somebody else's face when they look at us. We want to know what they think of us. We want to be approved of. We want them to like us. We want them to love us. We want them to applaud us. We want them to, uh, to be generative with regard to other friends. They want, we want them to bring us opportunities we want life to be good for us and so we think that it's all out there it's all out there because that's what we've been taught we've been taught we got to make money put it on the table you know put food on the table we got to put a roof over our house and get clothes for our backs and we've got to be able to be smart and savvy and uh you know we've got to jump the hurdles climb the ladders whatever the metaphors are about how we attain to success in life and if we don't do that then we have attained to failure and we know what that's like those are the people who just are miserable and uh, maybe even homeless or maybe uh, uh, just living in dire straits that's what we consider to be failure and there's a lot of talk out there these days that that uh, uh, among certain groups of people where it's it, it is true that if you are not after success and trying to attain your highest success then then and if you are a homeless person or you are living in poverty then you're not you're not fulfilling your part you're not doing your part you're not um, doing what you should do but it's not really true it's not really true that our, that we are we always create our circumstances sometimes our circumstances are created beyond our control um, for instance the people in some countries in in uh, in uh, Africa and uh, other um, countries that are not as civilized and uh, you know up to date technologically and monetarily economically as we are, um, their their government keeps them in poverty. And so there are issues where uh, you know where poverty is not about our external circumstances, is not ex- uh, not about our external uh, 
uh, ability to attain success. So then we started thinking about in terms of the law of attraction. Then we started saying, well, you know, whatever you get in your life is what you've attracted. And, we ha- and, and you attract that by your thoughts. And that was as close as we were going to get to, to looking at the inner terrain. We didn't want to really go down to the emotions or the deeper roots of our lives. We wanted to just talk about our thoughts. Well, the thoughts, that's all we're going to. So, But you, everybody knows that thoughts come and thoughts go. They don't. Some of them have merit. Some of them don't. Some of them stick. Some of them leave. Um, you know, I, people uh, come to my office quite frequently and say, I thought about killing myself. And I say, how often do you think about that? And they say, well, you know, I just thought about it once, but it really scared me. You know, what they're saying is my thoughts has this power all by itself. Oh, my gosh. What will it do? Will it control me? Um, and, and we get scared of those kind of things because we've just had a passing thought. Um, and so with the law of attraction out there back in the late 80s and early 90s and, and even up until now where a lot of people are still um, sort of uh, preaching the law of attraction uh, with books like The Secret, there is um, there's this idea that if I'm taking care of my thoughts and keeping them positive at all times, then I will only attract positive things into my life. And I have people come to see me all the time. They say, well, I'm thinking positive. I'm really working hard on that. I just don't get it doing all the right stuff, but uh, I'm still not attracting that thing that I want and or I've had some really difficult circumstances this past year and I don't even understand why I'm getting that instead of the thing that I'm working so hard to attract. Well, you know, we don't bargain with the universe. The universe doesn't need our puny little bargains. And so when we start set out to say, I'm going to, with my thoughts, make the universe do what I want it to do, we're setting ourselves up for some disappointment because it's not going to always work that way. Um, on the other hand, thoughts are not the deepest part of ourselves, and there are other parts of ourselves that, that, that do have energy, that do help us make decisions, that do affect our behavior, that do affect our um, how we interact with world, the world, what energy we send out to the world, and what energy we're getting back from the world. Um, so those things are, are uh, interestingly, uh, a part of the dynamic of, of the human behavior and the human psyche. And those are the deeper things that we want to talk about. And we're going to go even deeper than those things. It's not just our emotions. It's not just our psychology. It's not even just what's in the unconscious that we think we have repressed. It's even deeper than that. What we're talking about today is the deepest part of you, the deepest, most ancient part of you, where you are eternal, where you have always been and will always be, where you're... Your essence is uh, uh, it's primal. It's prehistoric. It's, uh, it's, it's related to all the entire collective of humanity. It's related to all of nature. It's related to all things because it is one with all things. That's the deepest part we want to talk about today. And it's that part that never, ever, ever lies to us. Never, dis- never confuses us doesn't lie to us. It's always right on the money, so to speak. And so, what in the world would we need that for? Well, why do we need to access that? Because it is the truth. It is the truth of our being. It is the truth of who we actually are. And at at that deepest level, we can climb the mountain of the rest of ourselves. From, From the deepest level of our ancient roots, we can become a tree. We can build, you know, work through the ground and 
grow higher and higher and build branches for ourselves and have birds nest in our branches and grow leaves and and shed the leaves in the fall and grow them again in the spring every year for many, many years. We can... That is how we build a life. We build it from the roots up. Problem is, most of us have not been taught to build a life from the roots up. We have been taught instead to build a life from what other people think of us up. In other words, we identify with what other people need from us, and we try to go from there. And we try to please them. We try to win their approval. We try to get their applause. We try to get them to notice us. We try to, we try to notice ourselves enough to, to put ourselves out there so that we can, we can get from the world what the world has to give us. And if we're not doing that, we're not you know, squeezing that, the grapes off that vine, we're not going to be able to drink its wine. But that is all based in a survival thinking, a survival trance state that says that we, we have to do these things in order to survive. So interesting to me, and I'm I'm guessing it might be to you too to think about the the number of people you've heard about who had these terrible things happen to them that should have killed them. They should absolutely be dead. You know, car wrecks, airplane crashes, people jumping out of airplanes. I heard one time many years ago about a woman who jumped out of an airplane. Her parachute did not open, and she fell to the ground, did not break a single bone, and walked away without a scratch. How did that happen? I know of someone uh, in in my own not my own professional life. I know of someone who did try to kill herself and really should have bled out, but didn't, and lived and and became a very very different person after that because she said to herself, "Well, if I'm alive, there must be some reason for it," and she began to explore her own deeper roots because of that. So, I'm not sure that survival is really the big issue we think it is. If there's a deeper part of me that's ancient and eternal, then really, should I be worried about survival? That's an interesting question, isn't it? And answering that question will get us to that deeper place, to be able to say, okay, well, if life is not really about survival, then where is the life energy that I have coming from? If I'm not having to scrape and scratch and sing for my supper, then where does the energy of my life come from? And that's when we begin to look deeper. So, so we definitely need to notice our thoughts. We definitely need to notice our emotions. They are very important internal messaging systems for us to, to pay attention to. And if you've listened to my other shows, you know that, that that's, I, I really do believe that that's extremely important and, and essential to our uh, ability to go to the next step, which is looking deeper for these deeper roots. So let's talk about that for a minute. Our emotions are very, very important in that they do give us an, an internal messaging system. They uh, give us some guidance. They don't necessarily say, you know, I'm angry, so therefore I should knock your lights out. But they do say, I'm angry, and that means that I'm unhappy in this particular situation with this particular circumstance in this particular relationship, etc., etc., or, or with what just happened in this particular relationship. Let me address that inside myself and then address it externally, and then I can figure out where I go next. So, it, it, you know, those are really, really important, and there's not a single emotion that is not uh, important to us. Every one of them has a very deep importance, and we should not be discounting them. There's not a day that goes by that I do not see a meme that tells something about how we should not be angry. 
that anger is a bad thing, fear is a bad thing, we shouldn't have these emotions, and they affect our body in physical ways, and, and, and we shouldn't be thinking those thoughts and having those feelings, and we should just get rid of them. Well, how do you get rid of them? How do you do that? Most people would just say, well, I'm just not going to think about that anymore. Okay, well, then that just means you're repressing it. So what does it do? It goes down into the unconscious where it sits there and festers and then comes out later in some smelly, hairy way that's not very, that we later will regret with either, because we've either said or done something that we wish we hadn't said or done. And so it's really important for us to pay attention to these emotions because they're trying to give us some guidance. They're trying to say, you know what? Every time you give away your soul to somebody else, you build more resentment. My resentment is therefore talking to me and telling me that I need to stop giving my soul away. It, it, it might be telling me to stop doing those things that are not authentic, that, that are, are done from duty and obligation and should and have to instead of compassion or passion. If we lived our lives from the, that passion and compassion that is general, gen, that is generative and natural to us, then we will, then we will live fulfilled lives. But if we live from duty, should, have to, loyalty, all those things that uh, our society sort of praises because they're external motivators for behavior, then, you know, we're not going to be as fulfilled. So our emotions are very important, and our thoughts very commonly spring from those emotions. So if we stop and think about the emotion we're just having, then we can really sort of listen to its message and get the feel for it and then get informed about what's going on in our lives and thereby make decisions that are appropriate uh, to the authentic self. So emotions are very important. Thoughts are very important. Our physical health is very important. It also can tell us, talk to us about what we're doing authentically or ingenuously. Um, You know, uh, if, if I'm having an ulcer, say, it could be that I'm living too much of a stressful life or I'm having frequent headaches, same thing. What is it that I'm doing that's stressing me out? What is it that I'm thinking? What is it that I believe? What are, what are the things going on in me that are making my life harder? And that's how the physical body can help us. It can also help us with intuition in that the hackles on the back of our neck can rise when something weird happens. And we can go, you know what, that's, kind of, that's something I want to avoid. Um, so that's another way of, of accessing the internal messaging system. Also, we have intuition. And intuition is never wrong. It is uh, always telling the truth, and it never lies. We can get it mixed up with other things that do lie, but intuition itself doesn't lie. And if we listen to it, it can be very good, solid guide for us about what our behavior can be, about what we want out of life, about who's doing what to who, and maybe even sometimes very commonly uh, who's lying to us, who's telling the truth. When we get that sort of weird uh uh-oh feeling about somebody, we might want to start avoiding that person because they might be toxic for us. So that's how intuition can help. Discernment can also help. It's a great observatory tool. It's more of just watching what goes on and putting two plus two together and coming up with four. It's a great investigative tool in that it really pays attention to body language and and eye contact or lack thereof and... um, what people say are saying and what the tone of voice is when they say it and just and then plugging into intuition and plugging into the body and physical sensations and putting all that together in a package and going, okay, here's what's, what I think is really going on and that's how I'm, what I'm going to respond to. I'm not going to respond to what you're telling me because that's a lie. I'm going to respond to what's going on inside me that's telling me the truth. 
Um, so that's another good, wonderful internal tool that we have to help us uh, take care of our lives. So there's not anything that happens inside of us that wasn't put there by, uh, by the divine to facilitate our greater awareness so that we can manage our lives in a way that seems much more authentic to us. But even that is not the deepest roots of who we are. They can lead us to the deepest roots of who we are, but by itself, they are not the deepest roots of who we are. The deepest, most ancient roots of us are are both collective and individual simultaneously. They are uh, they are about everything that is human, and at the same time, everything that is totally unique to me as an individual. So. I might find my individuality in my talents, in my interests, in my uh, the things that are meaningful to me and the things that are not. I might find that information, and then it, it takes me to another deeper level where, wow, that gives me real passion, and that passion takes me to another deeper level where, oh, that's connected to deepest parts of me. Some people say that these deepest parts of us are relative to having had other lives, and that's very po- possibly true. I for one, do believe in reincarnation. Not everybody does, and you don't have to to, to find the deepest ancient roots of yourself. But it, what it says basically is that there's this this grounded part of us that is as um, has a gravitational pull, just like planet Earth, that pulls us down deeper and deeper into ourselves. And hopefully, as we age, as we grow into ourselves we develop a deeper correspondence with those deepest roots of ourselves. And there are some people who come here already attached to that. In fact, I think we all come here already attached, but then we lose it real early when we start identifying with what our parents want us to identify with. But there are some people who maintain it even through childhood, are able to maintain that deep connection to their ancient roots and demonstrate that in some, um, some very interesting ways to us. Uh, but a lot of us are more out of touch with it. So we're going to be talking in the next uh, in the next segment about um, what this what it means to contact those ancient roots and why we would need to. And then we're going to talk about how we can go about uh, uh, making contact with that. So you want to be here for the whole show? Stay tuned for more right after this break. Spoiler alert, a space of being may cause spontaneous laughter, extra money, ease, joy, magic showing up in your life, and outrageously orgasmic moments. Join Grace Hart live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel, where she combines her psychic abilities and the tools of access consciousness to assist you to create a totally different reality and transform your personal and professional life, including relationships and finance. I wonder what magical possibilities await you at a space of being. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. 
Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the Seventh Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, a doctorate, or a ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you can get a PhD, a doctor of ministry, or in the holistic theology program, a doctor of theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are holistic theology, holistic health, holistic ministries, metaphysics, and parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and peace, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu. Or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. That's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we're talking today about the ancient you, the ancient deepest roots of you. And we say they're ancient because when you tap into them, you know them to be ancient. So here's what Carl, one of the things that Carl Jung said about these ancient roots. He says, to the patient, that would be his client, to the patient it's nothing less than a revelation when from the hidden depths of the psyche something arises to confront him, something strange that is not the eye and is therefore beyond the reach of personal caprice. He has gained access to the sources of psychic life and this marks the beginning of the cure. That's from Modern Man in Search of a Soul, if you want to know where I got that. Carl Jung was one of the people who delved into the mystery of the human psyche and was able to help us come to understand with a language that was uh, really profound. He helped us to begin to understand what the human psyche was really all about. And while psychologists everywhere tend to divide the psyche up into various components, what Carl Jung said was that 
the psyche uh, is divided by because we are we are living into different identities, but also we can put those things together into a whole. And it was unity that the psyche was always seeking. It is seeking that wholeness, which he said was a quaternity or uh, the, the trinity plus one. So the trinity plus one is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the shadow, uh, according to Carl Jung. And the shadow means those things that are in the unconscious. And what's in the unconscious? The ancient, deepest roots of you. Um, so that strange thing that comes up to confront us that is not the I, but it's in us is beyond the reach of personal caprice. In other words, when, when we experience this sort of transcendent experience for the first time, it is a little bit frightening, which is part of the numinous, what Carl Jung would have called the numinous experience. It's, it's frightening because it's so new to us. It's so uh, powerful and profound and big. And, and so we don't immediately contact it necessarily with peace, although peace can come with the, with the feeling of that great awe that is frightening. Um, some would say that at this point we have contacted God or the divine. And perhaps that's true. But it's also inside of us. So what does that mean? Well, Carl Jung definitely equated the numinous to what he would have called an imago Dei, the divine image with this in it, which is in each person. And everybody's image of the divine is different. Uh, as unique as each individual is, the, the image we attain of the divine is... Uh, is also unique. And though churches and, and temples and mosques have their uh, designated Imago Dei, each individual within that church also adds his own or subtracts his or, his or her own stuff from that. And for many people, the Imago Dei starts off being um, relative to, our, to, to an image of our parents. So that we project onto our image of the divine whatever it was that our parents were. So if our parents were uh, stoic and, and lacked of, uh, the ability to show affection and cold and indifferent to us, then we, our image of the divine is going to be very similar to that until and unless we confront something different inside of ourselves, which then becomes a deeper, more ancient, more profound, and probably more true image of the divine. So... What does that mean about the self? Well, I think it means that the self, the deepest essence of who we are, is a divine self. That is, it's whole. It's round. It's, all the parts of us are united into one, just like everything else is one. And, um, and so that it, it amounts to us also being a part of the divine nature that is the oneness of all. That's what I think. But I can't tell you what you think. Only you can do that. And uh, so when I tell you what I think, it's only to share with you a perspective so that you have, the, uh, you have the possibility that perhaps you might be able to say, well, all right, that's a perspective. Let me see what I think. What, do we see? what, what is it that I, is my deepest belief about that? What do I really truly believe? Not what did I get taught, not what does my church or my temple or my mosque say, but what do I truly believe inside of myself? Not that we have to just throw out the temple, the mosque, and the church. We certainly can maintain any kind of relationship we have to that. But to develop our own image of the divine from that confrontation with that strange thing that is not an I, but is also inside of us. So when we, when we reach that, we have reached into something much more ancient and much more eternal than just uh, one separate life. 
we connect with the collect what Carl Jung would have called the collective archetypes. Um, those are things like the word mother always basically carries the same image for all of us. We basically think of mother in the same way or father in, this, in a similar way. Although there will be unique differences for each individual, there's, all, there's, there's that personal archetype of mother or father, which is unique to each individual. And then there's the collective archetype, which is the same for everyone. So, um, basically the same. And so, we, uh, so, when we make contact with that collective archetype, we've touched into something ancient. We've touched into something that's that way. So, when we think of a farmer, most of us think in similar ways. Perhaps today we think of tractors and big machines and calculations and, you know, uh, uh, maybe uh, immigrant uh, farmers, immigrant pe- orange pickers or cotton pickers or something like that. But back centuries ago, it, it was a man and his foot <laughs> to plow the earth or a man and his horse or a man and his mule or a woman and his, her horse and her mule and uh, maybe some other uh, people to work on the farm. Uh, so it was much closer to the earth, much less technical, much more thonic. That's a word that Carl Jung used. It's spelled C-T-H-O-N-I-C. starts with a C. And the C is silent. Um, thonic is, is something that's very, it's a darker, more shadowed aspect of the self that really knows how to relate to the planet. It really is connected deeply to the planet Earth where where we get our vegetables and our and our fruits and we climb trees for safety and we uh, use the tr- the wood of a tree to build a house and we we are really connected to not only the resources of earth but the earth itself uh, the indigenous tribes of America the Native Americans very commonly uh, had uh, icons that are relative to the earth in terms of their worship experience and their spirituality. So the earth figured very highly in their ancient archetypal and associations with the divine. And uh, there are people today who still feel that way. The aboriginal tribes very commonly feel very close to the earth. So they live in that thonic world where the earth is a part of their own identity and they become very fully aware that they and the earth are one and that no one can own the earth and therefore no one can own them. And so they, they live in this kind of freedom that, is, that senses a real deep connection to the planet. Uh, these, are the, these are the more ancient roots that have to do with who we are as a species, a collective identification as a species that says, what the heck are we doing here on planet earth? And what is planet Earth to me? And what is the sky to me? And what is the sun to me? You know, in ancient days, uh, people commonly worshipped the sun and thought of it as God. And certainly you can see why. You look up every day and there's this huge light in the sky. And, and you, you begin to think that it has powers to control your life. And, and, uh, and the same with the moon. The moon was also a goddess. And so the sun was a god and the moon was a goddess. And... And uh, she was more or less a reflection of the sun. And so there's some science there in, mixed in with that. But it, but it also says something about the psychology of the people involved, that they were looking outward for some kind of internal guidance, for some kind of way of saying, okay, here I am on a planet Earth where people die, where people get sick, where people lie to each other, where people conf- confuse each other. What do I do with that? How do I survive that? And we look to the external. We look out there and we say, okay, well... You know, the sun can take care of me, the moon can take care of me, I'll pray to them. Um, and 
and all of our gods are more or less grounded in that same kind of psychology that says I have to survive and, and, and I can't necessarily always figure out how to survive so I need something bigger than me to help me figure out my survival. Uh, and so when we're talking about uh, these ancient archetypes, part of that is what does that mean to, uh, to become more aware of the deeper self that is afraid of not surviving? What does that mean? Well, you know, how do I put that part of me that's afraid of not surviving together with the part of me that's eternal? How do I put those two together? And that, those, those kind of questions are, are answered in that deeper, in the deeper ancient roots of ourselves. Because if, if I'm here in a world where people can die and I'm also eternal, what does that mean? So these are questions that we can begin to ask ourselves in that deeper ancient part of us and say, okay, well, what does that mean to me? I've come up with some answers that are meaningful to me, and I've certainly talked about them on the show and presented those to you for you to consider. But really, it's an individual journey. It has to be yours. And so when you're in that place of questioning, that's when something arises to confront you, something strange that is not the I and is therefore beyond the reach of personal caprice. That that sense of, of life, that sense of the divine, that sense of self, that sense of connection to the rest of the human race, that sense of, of earthness, that sense that we are here on this earth, that the sky is above us, and that there's a, a universe out there that is bigger than our minds can even conceive. And yes, there we are, in the middle of that. What do we do with that? What does that mean? Well, if we want to stay on the surface of that, we'll just look at you know the scientific facts, the empirical data, or maybe we'll just look at um, how we cope or how we survive. If we want to go deeper, if we want something grounded that, that makes us feel more alive and free and full of life, then we have to go a little bit further, a little bit deeper. And, and that's something that many of our indigenous tribes taught us. They taught us to be uh, more aware of those common everyday experiences of a little flower coming up out of the ground or, or the, a grain of sand in the desert or uh, what comes out of the cactus when you, when you open it. What, these are the things that, that the indigenous tribes knew and they had rituals. Uh, we had uh, a guest on the show last week who talked about these rituals that are so very important um, and, and how they... Uh, facilitate our awakening to this deeper part of ourselves where we are much more soul than we are just thought. That the soul has its own thoughts and that it, that it can think new thoughts in the brain. Um, I think that's what uh, Paul was talking about in the New Testament in Romans when he says, to, to uh, let your mind be transformed. Um, so I think that's what, what he was talking about is that getting in touch with the deeper self that does indeed transform how you think and how you view all of life. Some people have to come very close to death before they can begin to experience anything close to what I'm talking about. I don't think it has to be that way by any means, but I think sometimes that's the only thing that we'll listen to, is that we begin to wake up and go, oh my gosh, I've, I haven't been living fully alive, and now here I am about to die. Well, let me see what life really is all about. And that's when we begin to get in touch with those ancient rules, uh, ancient roots that are that are that make up that something strange that is not the eye. So, so when we're when we 
want to live that way without having to die first, without having to come close to death first, or have a near-death experience first, it does take that sort of sitting with an open place inside of ourselves, to sit with that openness and just say, I'm open, and I want to see what comes forth. What we're afraid of very commonly is that uh, we will we will experience parts of ourselves that are frightening and are not acceptable and are even downright evil because we've been taught, many of us, particularly in the Western culture, and even though it's specific to religion, it has spread into the sort of collective archetype of the entire collective of the Western world that we were born into original sin. And so many people think on a subliminal level that at the roots of who we are, we're just not good people. We're, we're unworthy. We are sinful, we're bad, and really what we can do is try to behave really, really good so that we won't be the bad people we really actually are. And so a lot of people are afraid if they sit with that openness, what will happen is that that bad self is going to come out and then we'll just find out who we actually are and it's going to be pretty awful and we don't want to even experience that. So so we have that sort of um, archetypal fear of that. So how do we put that archetypal fear together with the oneness that helps us to recognize that we're one with everything, including life and including death. Um, so it, it really is a paradoxical, and that's why the Zen Buddhists came up with the koans to to help us recognize that paradoxical element of of the wholeness that is the human psyche of putting opposites together in a way that makes perfect sense once it's done, but the mind can't quite figure out how to do it before it's done. So sitting with that openness allows that to happen on its own. Things begin to merge that seem to be uh, uh, disparate in their nature so that we, we found that we couldn't really make it work unless we just sit there with the openness and let it work inside of us. We're going to talk some more about how to, how to connect with those deeper changes, ancient roots right after this break. Stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Jeel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. The divine lives within every one of us. Some people just need help unlocking it. Once you understand your own shadow self, you can begin to take steps to say goodbye to remorse, guilt, and shame. Then, own up to living your life with great delight. Listen for Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting with host Jim Stacy. For 15 years, Jim has studied the Aramaic language, the non-religious language of Yeshua. And through that language, you can learn how to choose the life you want to live and live above smallness and the victim. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. I wonder why these days so many people are looking into their genealogy. Have you ever wondered about that? It's become a thing, hasn't it? People looking back. Now, once upon a time, it was just every now and then you'd hear about that. But now it's every day. Somebody's talking about something they found on uh, Ancestry.com that's helping them figure out more about who they are. That's what they say. Well, now I know more about who I am. Uh, it's a little bit like that to make contact with our ancient roots. We know more about who we are because we've made that contact. And certainly make it doing some genealogical studies can help us become more informed about what matters to us and what's essential to us and the meaning of life and uh, the people who've struggled in our, in our family background with various issues. And we very commonly see that some of the people in our current life have that same, those same issues or, or have struggled with something similar to that. So... Um, these these things can help to help us to begin to get in touch with the ancient roots of, of who we actually are. But on a deeper level, um, we can begin to look at things like meditation. Oh, I talked in the last uh, segment about how we can just sit with the openness, just sit and be open to whatever comes forward and, and allow it to express so that we can hear it. And that is a way of beginning the process of, of opening up to that deeper aspect of who we are. Um, also, we can look at our dreams. And I really encourage people to start writing down your dreams. And if you're not remembering dreams at all, just encourage yourself. Just before you go to bed every night for a while, just say to yourself that that you're going to remember your dreams that night. And sit and put a pencil and a, and a notebook next to your bread, so, bed so that when you get up, even in the middle of the night, you can write down that dream. Or if you're not comfortable writing, and I, I certainly have written some dreams down that I couldn't even read the next day. So if you're not comfortable with that, get a tape recorder and record your dreams. Um, and then, uh, you know, you'll get to where you're having dreams more often. And you'll and you'll begin to the process of trying to understand your dreams. So... This is the thing I would caution against about dreams. I do not encourage you to go get a book that has interpretations for dreams in it because very commonly those are standardized definitions that come from somebody else's mind. They may not mean anything to you whatsoever. And if we go with those definitions, then we might be missing the point that our dream is trying to give us. Uh, Our dreams are methods of communication from the unconscious. They come forward to tell us things that we don't know about ourselves and our lives. Um, Sometimes they repeat something we do know, but only to give us more information about the part of it that we don't know. Um, And so, you know, we might have a dream that uh, about something that uh, appears in our our daily life. So we had a car accident that day, and we dreamed that night about having a car accident. Well, that makes perfect sense. We're repeating the trauma, uh, and but there's more to just the fact that we're repeating. We don't repeat it for no reason. The human psyche is amazingly wise, as is the human body, and uh, what it will do is to give us that dream about that accident, to give us information about ourselves, about our fears, about what was happening during the accident, um, what uh, what was occurring in the psyche during the time of the accident, what 
you know, maybe even something that we can, some gift we can receive from the accident. Many years ago, I had an automobile accident where I was, uh, I won't say I was almost killed, but I, I came so close to it, the edge of a cliff but, uh, before I was able to stop the car that had I gone over the cliff, I might not be talking to you today. Um, but um, what, what came out of that was, and what happened was my head went over, the, I was in a Pinto, believe it or not. Somebody hit me from the rear. Also, believe it or not, the car the car did not blow up, and one of the reasons I think for that was that I was with someone who was rushing me to hurry and get where we were going. So instead of getting a full tank of gas, I only got a dollar's worth of gas uh, that day, and so I got the dollar's worth of gas and took off, and then got hit in the rear by a big, huge car that looked like an army tank, and uh, and uh, I saw her about to hit me, and I even said, I was looking in the rearview mirror and watching her, and I spoke to God at that moment, uh, the, the way I visioned God, and I said, uh, she's going to hit me, God. That's what I said. And boom, right after that, she sure did. And uh, I could even see who, who, her, in the, in her through her windshield. And uh, once she hit me, what happened was I went, my head went up over the back of the back of my seat. My seat came loose from the floor. Um, the steering wheel jammed, the brakes jammed, I couldn't, the wheel, the tires were jammed so that I couldn't get them to uh, turn. Um, and when I, I went over the top of the seat, I was unconscious for just a second or two. And then I came back down into the seat. And I, then I realized what was happening. I was headed right for the edge of this cliff. I tried to steer the car and it wouldn't steer. I tried to put on the brakes and they wouldn't put on. And I just kept stomping on the brakes until they finally did begin to work. And uh, then I got out of the car. couldn't get out on my side. The car, my side was smashed, so I couldn't get out. I crawled out the other side. And uh, I had been planning on looking at a house that I wanted to buy in that neighborhood. And my real estate agent had led me in her car to that place. And I just walked up to her and said, I don't want this house. <laughs> We're not buying this house. Uh, but it turned out that I was pretty badly injured and was out of work for quite a while after that. But it uh, ultimately, as I began to process that accident, it was a life-changing experience for me because I began to see my life in terms of its potential end. I began to see that, you know, I was here, I was real, and that I was going to have to matter to myself if I was going to make a difference in my own life. So these things are really important, and I, I just put that in real simple words, but that was a powerful, profound experience for me. And as, as so I dreamed about that accident many times, and so our dreams can do that. They can repeat, but they're trying to tell us something interesting. Um, and that's what we need to look for. And so when I say don't look, don't go to other people and get their information about your dream, go to your own um, associations that you make with your dream figures. If you dream about a giraffe, what are your associations with a giraffe? If you dream about a musical band, what are your associations with that? What, what do you think about that? Um, so just write those down. And something inside is going to begin to resonate. And it's that resonance, that resonance itself which is putting you in touch with your deeper, more ancient roots so that you're getting now in touch with maybe collective archetypes about a musical band or a giraffe. Um, also, your own unique spin on that that's deeper associations, not just your thoughts. So uh, to play with that, just play with it. We it Very commonly, uh, it takes a while to figure out a dream. I remember one dream that I had that really took me about 25 years to understand. I just 
that dream was so dramatic in my life that I never forgot it and it just kept coming back up in my mind until finally one day I just went boom oh that's what it means and I was very clear and have been very clear on that's what it means ever since so uh, that's how they can do and, and we need to trust that process because if it's supposed to be revealed today it will be if it's not it's not uh, because your psyche knows when you're ready to handle material and when it, when you're not you can absolutely trust that process another one is looking at, at symbols with which we resonate um, people look at hieroglyphic symbols and they are very meaningful to them why is that we, we sit with that and ask yourself about what does this symbol really mean to me um, stars mean things to people there that are significant. You'll see people pick out um, images of stars and put them in various places in their house. What are you putting in your home? What, you, what, what kinds of pictures are on your wall? What symbols resonate with you? Um, what music, uh, how does music impact you? That's also symbolic and can really move us to a deeper place. Um, what do we hear in our everyday world? And what do we... What are we listening to? These are things we can get in touch with our senses that, that, that uh, inform us more about our deeper self. So it's not just the symbols, but it's also the sensitive connections to those symbols. Uh, when you look at the ocean, when I go to the ocean, I sit on the beach. What, I'm do- what I find myself doing very commonly is just staring at the ocean. And yet it has this f- profound hypnotic effect on me that's just, um, it brings me closer to the earth and it allows me to to see my life more clearly with not that I'm looking at for my life to be more clear at that moment but it just does allow that um, it allows me to get in touch with something that I consider kind of a mother archetype where I feel nurtured by the ocean even though you know I might not even go for a swim that day because it might be too cold but still I'm feeling nurtured um, sometimes the ocean has made me just giggle I'll get in the ocean and the waves do something funky that just makes me laugh out loud uh, it makes me feel childlike so that I'm being nurtured by this mother ocean. Those are things that are very important to me. Those are my symbols. What are your symbols? What what places would you like to live and what places do you not like to live? What does that mean to you? Um, that doesn't mean we can always live in our fantasy place, but it does mean that those images can be held in us as sacred and we can begin to build from there something else more meaningful. Even if we can't move to or move back to a place that we came from that we'd like to be in, we can still uh, resonate with the images and hold them close and belong to those images in a deeper way. Um, So our resonance itself, what things draw you, what things are interesting to you, those things can put us in touch with the deeper, more ancient roots of ourselves. When I go in a bookstore, uh, I don't look for a particular book. I wait for a book to call me. When a book says you need to read me. <laughs> it doesn't actually speak. I'm not having hallucinations. But it does. There's something about that book that I just have to look at, and I can't not look at it. So that's the book I'm going to buy, although there's not much room in my house or my office anymore for more books. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 it's, it's, that's what resonates with me, and, it, and that's what moves me. And when, every time I do that, Every time I do that, that book turns out to be a, a profound awakening book for me. So, I mean, there's lots of books out there, but not every one of them is going to draw you. Go with the ones that draw you. Watch the movies that draw you. Don't watch the movies that you don't want to see. You don't, if, you don't, if you're not attracted to horror movies, don't watch them. Uh, go with what really resonates inside of you. And as you do, you're beginning to walk the path 
of finding your deeper, more ancient roots. You're getting more in touch with that part of you that's deeper. And the more you get in touch with the deeper, the more closer you get to the, the ancient. That ancient part of you that is eternal, that will never die, that has always been here and always will be here in some form or fashion. And uh, that part of us that is deeply connected to the oneness of all things and all people and all places, we are, uh, that make, allows us to resonate to a higher frequency, is the way I want to say that, uh, that we are full, more fulfilled in life, we're filled up more with me, I'm filled up more with me and less uh, filled up with you and your need, my need for your approval. Uh, we, when we do that, it, it really allows us to, uh, to speak from and to that deeper, more soulful connection within ourselves. Um, we also resonate with things that seem magical, but they're actually synchronistic. Carl Jung talks about synchronistic roots and uh, synchronistic things. One of the uh, stories he tells about that is about a, a client, a patient he was working with who had a dream about a scarab. And the patient started telling the dream about the scarab. And just about the time he got the word scarab out of his mouth, they heard this thump on the window. And they went and looked, and it was turned out to be a scarab who actually, that actually had lit on the window. So uh, that was a, tr- a synchronistic experience. And what that said to the patient and to Carl Jung was that this, this symbol was very, very important and it really needed to be listened to. Um, not all things are correlative, you know, but, but all things do have some kind of value to us. So, uh, so we can look at that and go, okay, what is the meaning of this? What are you trying to tell me? What is my psyche trying to tell me? What have I drawn to myself that's going to give me more information about the deeper, more essential me? Um, and how can I put opposites together? So, so when you look at the opposites in your life, so on the one hand, you really want to take care of your grandmother. On the other hand, you really can't do that because you've got a full-time job and, you're, and you have kids to raise and you just really can't do that. So you've got this internal conflict. And, and so you love your grandmother and you want to do this for her, but you really can't see how you can do that. So how can you put those two opposites together in a way that's meaningful to you? And when you do that, it will also benefit your grandmother. So... That's a kind of synchronicity. Even, when, even though they're opposites, it's a synchronicity in that those opposites are opposite of each other. And so they are engaging with each other in a kind of conflict. So there's a synchronicity to that that opens us to being more aware. So see, these are some of the things that we can do and uh, become aware of that really do open us up to how we resonate. And what we resonate with is going to be a clue to our deeper, more essential self. And then as we do that, as we follow that, as we listen to that, as well as our emotions, our intuition, our discernment, we begin to awaken to that deeper, deeper, deeper part of us. And it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And now we're in touch with our deepest roots. And that's where we'll grow into a tree. That's From there, we can grow into a tree. We can't grow into a tree with, on somebody else's roots. It doesn't work that way. So that's all we have today, and we're going to be back again next Wednesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Be here again for that, and remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. 
We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.